Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to have a good time today. If you're brand new to our church, I'm going to read a little bit more than usual. I'm going to read about 16 verses out of Daniel chapter 3. So if you want to turn there, it's right after Ezekiel. Uh, it's actually on page uh, 719. <laughs> Tough crowd. All your glowing Bibles right there. Uh, but uh, I'm going to turn to uh, and read a few passages today. Everything we do here is tied to God's Word. We believe that God can speak to all of us. It's crazy that we can all hear the same message and all leave with something completely tailor-fitted to us. Uh, it's always amazing to me when people are like, man, you said this during the message. I'm like, I do not remember saying that. That was the Lord, because <laughs> um, God will speak to us in an awesome ways. as we boldly preach his, his word. We've been in a series called Bold, and uh, our thesis, if you missed the last two weeks, we've been talking about in a shaky world, God's looking to raise up some sturdy people. And society's shaking right now. Everyone's nervous, anxious, fearful, discouraged. And I find this anomaly throughout scripture that people that knew God seem to have a courage when everybody else didn't. Yeah. You look at people like Peter and James, uh, Peter and John, excuse me. You see people like the Apostle Paul. Jesus himself spoke as one who had boldness. It says that the early church actually asked in their prayer time, God, give us boldness. Everyone was persecuting Christians. In Acts chapter 4, they're like, give us boldness. Acts chapter 4, it says that they were uneducated, untrained men, but they could tell that they had been with Jesus. Why? Because of their boldness. Solomon actually goes on the record to say that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think that we're lacking a lot of boldness today because we're lacking a lot of righteousness today. I think people have been so corroded over with a lack of conviction, a lack of, uh, a lack of love for the scripture, a lack of love for the Holy Spirit, and almost trying to dilute the message of the gospel of Jesus down to Jesus being some hippie that lives in a van down by the river. He just loves everybody. He does love everybody, but his love is powerful. His love will mess you up. It'll change your life. His love will wreck your appetites for darkness. We ain't talking a whole lot about that today, but we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna contain myself. We're gonna get fired up a little bit today. Every, every day uh, we get together, uh, I read the Bible. I'm gonna read again 16 verses. I'm gonna pray. I try to lift up the service and the Lakers and um, especially important prayer time today. And so I've been praying for the Lakers the last 108 Sundays. And if you remember when we moved here, they were terrible. Yeah. You're welcome, California. <laughs> so uh, I won the championship tonight. And uh, for, God, for God to get the glory. Amen. So uh, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we call them jokes. And when people don't laugh at my stories, we call them a bad audience. And uh, kidding. Seriously, though. Um, and we're going to have a good time. If you believe it, say Amen. All right, so we're going to go to God's Word this morning. Again, I've been, I've been, this has been fun. I, I don't normally preach so much out of these old stories that you learn in Sunday school, but it is kind of funny in the church world how we preach uh, all these famous stories of David and Goliath and Esther and Daniel and, and my shack, your shack, and a bungalow, all these guys, right? We tell all these stories in Sunday school, and then when you get older, it's like, no, we've got to preach out of Romans every week. I like the old stories. Come on. Jesus is still visible in the Old Testament. If you believe it, come on, say amen. So I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 3. Again, I'm going to jump around a little bit. We'll start in verse 1. It's a famous story about three young Jewish guys that were actually taken captive uh, from their home nation of Israel. 
And over a period of about three to five years, we're actually indoctrinated with the literature, the customs of the most godless, powerful nation of its time called Babylon. And Babylon was run by one of the craziest dictators of all time by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar actually would promote these three and four young men. And uh, the story would go that he actually, uh, he had a dream and uh, it worried him. These four guys were able to tell him the dream and then tell him the interpretation. They all got raises, they all got bonuses, and they all got big promotions. And the story goes that even though that miracle of interpretation and that miracle of knowing his dream, it actually, it, it gave him a respect for God, but it didn't convert his heart. We know this because Nebuchadnezzar was still serving his, himself in, in Daniel chapter 3. And so we're going to read this morning about, uh, about, about this story. So if with, you're with me today, Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Say it with me. What was it made out of? Gold. Made out of gold. The height of it was 90 feet. If you were to, to, to actually translate 60 cubits, width was 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he sets this image up. He basically tells everybody, all of his, uh, his senators, his congressmen, all of his elected officials, his, all the bureaucrats of that day were there. And in verse 4 it says that, that he had one of his heralds yell out, To you it has been commanded, O peoples and nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the, the psaltery, the symphony of all kinds of music, that you need to fall down, worship the gold image that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be cast immediately into the burning, fiery furnace. Verses 8 through 12 talk about how they're basically indicted by other leaders of the government. They say, hey, everybody's bowing except these three Jewish boys, these three Jewish guys. They're not bowing. So Nebuchadnezzar summons them to his, his presence. And in verse, uh, verse a 15, there we go, 15, it says, he goes, all right, guys, I heard you didn't bow before. I'm going to give you another opportunity. I'm going to make an offer to you can't refuse, right? Now, if you're ready at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, all these instruments, to fall down and worship the image that I've made, good. But if you do not worship, uh, I just want you to know that immediately you're going to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. And he probably would have got away with executing these guys if he would have left out this last sentence. And he goes, oh, and by the way, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? God's like, what? <laughs> so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go, uh, King, we, we actually don't have a, a reason to even answer you in this matter. We've already made up our minds. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able. This is good all by itself sometimes, you know? I don't even have a preaching. Our God is able. He's able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And I actually believe that he will deliver us from your hand, okay? Verse 18, this is where it gets really crazy. But, um, but if not, in the case of an emergency that he decides not to, uh, we just want to go on the record. Hey, guys, write this down that we will never worship the gold image that you set up. Nebuchadnezzar got demon-possessed, like a three-year-old that got his toy repossessed. And it says that he started to, his face discontorted. He had the, the, the furnace turned up. 
uh, multiple times over till it was so hot that the mighty men that actually brought these three Jewish boys into the fire were actually consumed by just the distant heat. They throw them in bound, it says, and in verse 24, it says that they were astonished as the four men were, the three men were thrown in there, that the king goes, hey, did we not put three of these guys into the midst of the fire? And one of the guys goes, yes, it's true, king. And he goes, look, I see four of them, and they're not bound. They're walking loose. They're walking in the fire. They're not hurt. And the form of that fourth one, that looks like the son of God. I'm curious. I want to watch the video of that in heaven. See what that looked like. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar went to the, the mouth of the fire, and he's like, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He goes, servants of the Most High, come out of here. So they came out of the fire, and the satraps and all these governing officials, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw, watch this, so powerful, that these men whose bodies, the fire had no power. The fire had no power. The hair on their head was all still there. <laughs> And it says this, that their garments were not affected, and the smell of fire or smoke was not even on them. So powerful. It's like Daniel's like, oh, by the way, that ain't, we, need, we need to smell like fire. Therefore, it says that the king was shocked. He made a decree that day that anyone that didn't worship these guys as gods will be cut into pieces. And the last verse, verse 30, it says the king promoted these three men to the providence of Babylon. So they were protected and they were ultimately promoted. I want to talk to you today in our bold series. I talked to you guys a couple weeks ago about uh, uh, something about bold giants. I can't remember the name of it. It was a good one, though. <laughs> uh, last we talked about bold stars, the, the story of Esther. And today I want to talk to you about uh, being bold. I want to talk to you about being sea ready. Sea ready. S-E-A, like the ocean, ocean ready. Is that all right? Let's pray real quick. We're going to get into it. Lord, I just thank you for today. We love you so much. We're grateful for what you're doing in the midst of all the crazy in the world. We're thankful that on Sundays we can come together, get recharged, get refocused, to invite you to occupy more of our minds and our hearts. I pray today that whether we're skeptical of you, whether we're mad at you, or whether we're madly in love with you, that you would meet us where we are. We love you so much. I pray whether we're online or in person that you would encounter us in a powerful way. We love you so much. Have your way. Bless the Lakers. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. Where's my outdoorsy people at? Outdoorsy? Love the outdoors. Like, I want to work 90 hours a week and then drive four hours to the woods. Set up a tent in the middle of the night. And get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Who's my outdoors? Well, I love that, man. That's, that's, oh, it's so relaxing. Sounds like it. Um, I'm not really outdoorsy. I'm more indoorsy. I always tell people the outdoors was so awesome. Why are all the bugs trying to get inside of my house? I'm not into the outdoors as much, man. I, I actually think I, I'll do it. I like snowboarding. And I, my friend Jesse actually convinced me to go fishing a couple weeks ago. I don't like fishing or hunting, not because I'm not into the outdoors. I just don't like waking up that early. Anybody attest to this? It's like, yeah, I'm like, I'll go. That sounds cool. You know, he's like, I was like, what time are we leaving? He's like, I'll pick you up at like 3.30. I'm like. What day is that? I might be sick that day. <laughs> so I was, uh, I actually talked me into going. I spent really the two-hour nap before I, you know, went fishing with them, plotting on what I was going to dress in. Because I don't know about you, my wife has discipled me. I know that 90% of any activity is how you dress. 
My wife owns all the snowboard equipment. She doesn't snowboard, but she, she looks like one. That village and her hot cocoa, man, she looks legit. And so that's why I was, she discipled me. So I was like looking that night at Jesse and all these guys that fish, looking at Shane Boris, all these guys. I'm like, all right, what do these guys wear? So I need some rain boots. I need a, a trucker hat. And so I was uh, plotting my outfit the night before. Don't, don't laugh. That ain't funny. And uh, we ended up, you know, we picked up at 3.30. We drove down there. I bought a trucker hat at the little uh, the tackle shop. And I was nervous. We're going out in the open waters. It's like, how far are we going? Oh, we're going like 30, 40 miles. That's, a, that's far. That's like, you ain't swimming back, you know. <laughs> so I see the boat. I was expecting like the Titanic. It looked like a puddle jumper little boat. It was so small, I didn't have a bathroom inside of it. I was like, well, where do you go to the bathroom? They're like, oh, you better go now. <laughs> How long are we gone? I'm on a schedule, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I was dirty. I was thinking, though, uh, we went fishing, and uh, it was calm in the harbor. We got on the boat, and actually, it was an awesome day. The Lord was so kind to me. We, we got in there, and actually, the night before, Shane gave me this little... Uh, this Nicorette, or no, it was, uh, it was like a um, little patch uh, I put behind my, my ear. And they're like, yeah, you put that on, it'll, like, it'll keep your equilibrium, you know, whatever, so you don't get seasick and throw up. So I put it on before we got to the harbor. We got in the harbor. We start going out. And literally, as soon as you leave the harbor, it's like, whoa. it's yeah. a lot of water out here. <laughs> Water's intimidating, right? And the waves just kind of goes up and down, and the boat's moving, everything's shaking. And I remember my friend Jesse, this great theologian, he says, he says, if you start getting nauseous, he says, you have to look at something that doesn't move. And if you want to have, if you want to be ready for the ocean, Mark, you want to be sea ready, you want to have sea legs. He said, when you start getting sick, if we're near land, he's saying, find a fixed point that, that's stable. And he says, when the boat's bouncing and the waves are crashing, he said, if you'll look at the land somewhere specific, it'll stabilize your equilibrium. He said, and if you're out in the middle of the ocean, there's no land in sight. Uh, he said, find the horizon. And if you look at the horizon, it has a way of stabilizing. So everything else is moving, but you're looking at something that's fixed. And I was thinking about this being sea ready is this idea of, okay, I got to make sure that in the midst of all the ups and downs of 2020, all the crazy chaos this year is thrown, people that I love that passed away, and tragedies, and trials, and breakdowns, and meltdowns, and debates, and are you hearing me? All these things going on, it's like, I got to find something that's not shaking right now. So I love church, man. It's a reminder of what we worship that doesn't move. It's a fixed object. It's a, it's a non-shakable, everything else is moving, everything else, and I, I feel sick. And I'll be honest, there's nothing worse than throwing up. Can we agree? It's like the worst punishment, man. It's like, I'll take coughing any day over throwing up, but just not in 2020. Can I get an amen? It's the only year that people are farting to cover up coughs. Come on, 2020. You're welcome. Listen, we are in a time... <laughs> Say that in church. I don't know. You, Paul, Lord, I apologize. Um, I'm telling you that uh, Daniel, Daniel went out in the open sea. And, and I was thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I was praying this week. I, I was praying this week. And uh, so I clarify, this guy didn't pray this week. Uh, I was praying this week. And uh, 
the Lord gave me this picture, and I'm simple. I'm not as smart as you guys and as good looking as you guys, but I, I was spending time with Jesus this week, and he told me, he said, Mark, I, I had this idea of boldness, and he started speaking to me about these three Jewish boys that were actually bold because they were sea-ready. They actually, before they left the harbor of Israel, they actually made up some of their minds about who they were going to be in captivity in Babylon. And I believe many times people are shaken and they're unsturdy and they actually react the same way that people that don't know God. Because there was decisions they never made in Israel before they arrived in Babylon. I believe that these three guys, how in the world, when you're offered the king's delicacies, you're in a foreign land. You had three or four years of indoctrination. They taught you a new language. You, you speak a new literature. You write a new literature. You, you know the customs and you know the protocols of Babylon now, right? You're one of the smartest, best looking. These guys are not anybody's. These are actually former royal families from Israel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are amazing. Daniel. Daniel actually, this, the entirety of their ministry was in captivity, they spent seven decades in a foreign land, in a godless nation, and they changed the world anyways. God doesn't need everything to be godly for you to do something godly. Are you hearing me? God doesn't need everybody around you to serve God for you to serve God. And I love this story because they made a decision in the harbor before they got to the open seas about who they're going to be. I'm telling you, if you wait to the moment you're in a temptation to make up your mind, it's too late. I used to always preach to young people. I said, if you want to wait until you're in the back seat of the car with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and choose if you're going to be a virgin or not, that the moment is too late. Yeah. Some decisions have to be forged before the moment arrives. Yeah. And I said this, I, I, I believe that this was a moment for these three Jewish young boys that there was things, why would you not? It's so easy. There's a new king. There's no one from Israel. Your rabbi's not here. Your mama's not here. Your daddy's not here. It's just you and three of your homeboys. No one's going to rat you out in Israel. You're in a new country. Why don't you participate in the delicacies of the food that was offered to a foreign idol? But there was something about these four guys that even though they were in a godless world, they had the kingdom of God stuck in their hearts. It's like they couldn't weave it out of the fabric of who they were. And I want you to know that if you're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and make a difference in California, and make a difference, I believe God's raising up some Esthers, some Daniels, some, some, some Davids, that 2020 is actually exposing what's good and also what's not. And I believe some of you in here, there's an there's a almost Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego opportunity to go, hey, if you're going to be bold and see ready, there's some decisions we have to make in this church harbor. Oceans is a harbor on Sundays that we forge our decisions and our convictions and our values for who we're going to be Monday through Saturday. We're going to be Sunday Christians. We're going to be, come on, Christmas and Easter Christians. We're going to serve God. Like, it's so funny to me. It's like, man, I, I don't want God in my life, really, but I want to spend eternity with God. Makes zero sense. I want to go to heaven because it's an extension of my relationship I already have. I'm not waiting for eternity to live fully for God. Yeah. And I don't know who you are today, and I know we're living in a, a crazy time period that, that morality's been lost, convictions are lost. There's no longer right or wrong. Isn't that crazy? They say that in the church, Barna Group has done a study that only 30, check this out, 35% of Christians believe in moral absolutes. Wow. No, whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. Well, what if my truth says your truth is wrong? Where are we at? 
What about the guy that says there's no, there's no such thing as absolutes? Well, that's an absolute statement. You just proved your point, brother. There is a right. Listen, you look, you're like, well, I don't like this idea of like, right. I just like to choose what I think is right and what I don't think is right. Listen, the problem with that is it's like making math up as you go. I think two plus two, I think it should be six. Well, that's fine as long as you're not building the bridge I'm driving over. But if you are the architect of where I'm heading in my life and you're making stuff up on the fly, six, four, it's like wrong, dead. There is a right. There is a wrong. In a, in a society that's lost its way, I want you to know God is the way, the truth, and the life. No, I think they all, like all religions, they just all lead to the same place. They're all like equal and like, like God knows your heart. And like, he just, he's just so, he's like a hippie in a van. He just loves everybody. The problem with it is, it's just, it's, Jesus never said that. He made some claims in his life, like no one comes to the father except through me. Okay. You sure? Some people are like, well, well, church is all, they all like, look, church coexist, and I'm not, not throwing rocks, I'm just saying, the problem with all religions leading to the same deity is like saying, well, all the planes were at the airport, so they all must be going to the same city. Yeah. Just because they look the same and they're at the same gates, I'm telling you that direction determines destination. It's okay to get quiet. Proves my point, 35%. We'll go anyways. Can we keep going? Listen, I'm telling you that God is going to raise up some people that go, hey, look, there is a right, there is a wrong, there's a way that God honors, and there's a way that does not honor God. And so as far as I'm concerned, the people that we remember in history in the church were those that actually stood when everybody else bowed. And if you want to be forgotten in your lifetime, make a decision to make moral absolutes according to your truth. But the people that we remember, the Charles, the Charles Spurgeons and the Finneys and the John G. Lakes and the A.A. Allens and some of these people that we actually remember as, man, Martin Luther, some of these people that led reformations and revivals, they weren't the ones that were like, ah, oh, I don't know, what's true for you is true for you, what's true for me is true for me. They're the people like, look, I might, look, I'm not going to try to offend you, but I will speak the truth in love. Yes. You might disagree, that's fine, but I want you to know there is a God that still has power. Yes. And there's some things that I'm not budging on. Can I tell you a few of them? I'm not budging on the fact that, number one, there is a God that actually is good. He's alive. That he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life for 33 years. He was executed on a Roman cross. Took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future. Actually absorbed all of our sickness, all of our diseases, all of the curse. The wrath of God was absorbed on the sun. He went into hell. He snatched the keys. He repossessed the devil's authority on the earth. He ascended on high after three days. He, he walked on the earth for 40 days, was seen by 500, floated into the sky like Chris Angel. And he told all of his followers, go to, go to Jerusalem until you're endued with my spirit. And they hung out there for about, you know, for a season time. And on the day of Pentecost, 120 people in an upper room had an encounter with the spirit that Jesus was possessed with. Yeah, 30% clap. I love it. I'm talking to the right crowd today. There's some things that don't change. He was sinless. He was powerful. His spirit's still on the earth today. Christianity is the only world religion that believes that our God lives inside of our physical bodies. 
He indwells inside of us. He gives us wisdom beyond our education. He gives us, he gives us authority over things that we never earned authority over. And there's something powerful that when we actually call on his name that he actually shows up. There's, these are non-negotiables. These are things that God said, look, I'm telling you, it's better that I go because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's still on the earth today, still doing miracles, still healing people, saving people, delivering people. And here's what I know about bold people. If you want to actually be sea ready, I think if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were on the stage, they'd say, number one, we did what we did with God because, number one, we made a decision to purpose something in our hearts. I dare Orange County to purpose in your heart one thing. If God's into it, be into it. If God's into holiness, I'm going to be into it. If God's into convictions, I'm into convictions. If God's into doing what's right, I'm going to do what's right. Well, it's not popular. What if you don't get likes on soul? What if people unfollow you for actually being passionate about your faith? Man, I'll tell you right now, I'd rather be followed by God than by men. And as long as God is interested in how I'm living, I'm going to be all right. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you right now that if you purpose in your heart, Daniel 1.8, what's it say? Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. Daniel 3, verse 16, it says, hey, uh, I know... I know that you threaten our lives. We don't bow, but here's the problem. We're not going to bow. Because yeah. we made up our minds in the harbor of Israel that even though we're in a godless world, that we're going to keep standing for God. Yes. You make fun of us. That's fine. I had friends when I was 18 when I said, I'm going to go to Bible college. I'll give you some context. I was really good looking. <laughs> okay, this is fun. Uh, no, I was, I was in a high school. I was, uh, I was the winter ball. I was involved. I was popular. I, I was a pro snowboarder in my high school. And, like, literally, I was, like, the leader of all the party people, right? I was partying all the time. And so when I went to Idaho, I had a God encounter, and I came home after I graduated. I was getting ready to go full-time pro snowboarder, just party and living the life. And I came home, like, hey, guys, I'm not going anymore to do that. I'm going to Idaho. I'm going to go to Bible college. <laughs> Idaho, live with my dad. They're like, Iowa? No, 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 Idaho. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Illinois? No, 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 Idaho. So I told them, and all of my friends, the true story, all my buddies in California, like, dude, Mark became a nun. <laughs> he's like, he's going to be a priest or something, a monk. <laughs> true story, all of them. And they're making fun of me. These guys start going to USC. I played with football guys, played with Reggie Bush and my friend Justin. All these guys played football, USC. I had other friends becoming lawyers, other friends going to college, uh, becoming doctors. They're like, Mark, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm a janitor, and I'm going to Bible college. My life is suddenly falling to the ground. And uh, it's interesting because the ones that made fun of me when I got serious about God are now the ones that text me and direct message me for advice, for prayers. And some of them actually have visited our church and given their lives to God in services that I've led. So it's all right. I don't care if it's not popular. I dare you to purpose something in your heart. Can I get an amen? Because you know what society tries to do? Society does what it did back then. It tries to rename you. You know the first thing they did to these three Jewish boys, four Jewish boys when they got there? They changed their names. In the ancient world, names represented natures. And so they took someone like Daniel, whose name means God is my judge, and they changed his name to Belshazzar, which literally means uh, lady, uh, what does it mean? Lady something. Let me find it in my notes here. Uh, so crazy. They changed his name to try to change his nature, but his name literally means uh, lady protect the king. So they changed his name in such a way to confuse his sexuality and to worship an inferior deity. 
Then they took this, his buddy, uh, Hananiah, and which means Yahweh has been gracious, and they changed his name to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. Can you imagine a worldview that goes, man, God is so gracious to me until I'm scared of God. That's what you are. You're no longer, don't call yourself, uh, God has been gracious. Call yourself, you're scared of God. Then they took Michelle, whose name means, who can compare with my God? No one. That's what his name means, literally. And they give him the name Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and I am humiliated. They knew that names affect nature. And today, some of you are like, man, my, my dad said that I'm a loser. My mom said I'm a nobody. My, 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 my boss said I'm, I'm never going to be you know, anything great. And my school teacher said that I'm going to do nothing with my life. And you're going to be an alcoholic like your mom. And you're going to be a, a failure like your dad. Listen, society will tr- today still trying to name God's kids. But I'll tell you this right now, that the name you have is the only one that you respond to. I don't look, when someone says Bruce, I'm not looking. They say Bo, I'm not looking. They say Wesley, I'm not looking. I respond to my name. Can I give you something even more? I didn't say this first service. I'll tell you right now, don't ever let anyone name you that doesn't love you. There are so many people that let society name who they are. You're greedy. You're stingy. You're a cranky person. You're a miserable person. You're an angry individual. Listen, you don't love me. You don't know me. Come on, God knows me. God, I'm a child of God. His spirit lives inside of me. Look, that might be how my natural dad is. That's not who my heavenly father is, brother. I'm telling you right now that DNA will affect what you look like, but I believe your faith will determine what you die like. And I'll tell you, you're you're born looking like your natural parents, but you die looking like who you worship in your life. Worship will always determine what you look like. You worship sports long enough, all you'll talk about is sports. You worship entertainment all the time, all you talk about is entertainment. You worship travel, all you talk about is travel. You will always know what you worship. Follow the paper trail back to what you're passionate about, what you talk about, what you spend your time on, your energy on, and check this out, your money on. That reveals who your gods are. And in the can I I go somewhere else? I'm off track of my notes. We're just going to keep rolling. Is that all right? There were three things the ancient world worshipped. Three things. You ready? First thing they worshipped was Baal. Baal was the worship, big picture, all Baal worship was the worship of power and pride. It was the idea that man is, 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 is enough. We are, the, we are the captains of the universe. We don't need God. God needs us. Baal worship was the worship of self-pride and egotism. That was Baal worship. Second one that they worshipped in the ancient world was the spirit of mammon. Mammon was the, the, the worship of material goods. It was the worship of wealth. It was if I can achieve enough, if I can gather enough, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Mammon. It's a spirit. It's, it's a spirit. You, you never have enough dollars in your checking account. You, you can never get enough rewards, never get enough uh, prizes, achievements, accolades. It's empty. There is the, the worship of mammon. And the third one was the worship of Asherah. Asherah was the, uh, the goddess of the ancient world. She actually became, in, in the Greek world, the, the, the uh, Aphrodites, Diana, Venus, all the ancient world. It's the same deity which basically this was the, the, the goddess of fertility, sensuality, and lust. It was the sexual god. And it's amazing that even in the ancient world, like Philippi had over 3,000 temple prostitutes at the temple of Diana. So throughout history, like, man, well, no, this is crazy. We're living in such a perverted time. It has actually been worse than it is right now, believe it or not. 
It has been. But why is there so much pedophilia? Why is there so much human trafficking? Why is there so much? Can I just say today, there's the same three gods are in the world today. Anybody ever meet anybody in Orange County who loves money too much? Don't raise your hands. Come on. Who's, who's love? Come on. I, 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 I'm, I'm, God didn't give me this job. God didn't acquire this house. I did it. That's bell worship, friend. Who gave you your brain? Who gave you the ability to walk? Who gave you the air in your lungs? Yeah, you might have stewarded what God gave you, but at the end of the day, God still gave it to you. If I can't get a Pentecostal, amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod right now or a Presbyterian eyebrow raise, a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on. I am convinced today that there are people in God's world that actually had to have a prepared uh, heart, a heart that actually has purposed in its heart to say, God, I'm not going to defile myself. Can I get one more good amen? I love this idea that not only did they purpose in their heart, but I love that um, the second thing is that they had a prayerful mouth, a prayerful mouth. Who's C-ready these days? I'll tell you, it's prayerful people. God will tell you things in your times with him that, that you'll know before the economy tells you, before Wall Street dictates it, before there's any shifts. I'm telling you, there's things that God wants to tell his kids before you get to some places, before what to do before you get there. I love people like even Mark Carpenter has a powerful testimony, him and Linda, about how they would pray about things in business before they actually had opportunities, and God showed them what to do and when to do it. I had one friend during the Great Recession that actually said, God spoke to me in a prayer time to actually sell all of my properties, to collect liquid assets so that I would be ready when things dipped. I had another friend who was a builder that said, I got greedy. I saw all the signs. I was praying. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to, to slow down, but I got greedy and I kept going, 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 and I lost everything. I'll tell you right now, there's something powerful about a prayerful mouth. God is looking for people that have a purposed heart that say, I don't care if everybody else is bowing, I'm not. I'm going to stand. The irony of America is we all want to make a difference, live for a cause, but all of us want to be the same as everybody else. I want to make a big difference, but I want to be the same as everybody. You got to be different to make a difference. If I ask one person right now, Joe, would you stand up for me real quick? You stand up? Yeah, stand up real quick. You stand up right now, all of a sudden, everyone that's sitting down focuses on you. Why? Because just one person amongst thousands stands out when they stand up. I believe everyone's like, I want to make a difference, but they sit down. I want to make a difference, but I handle stress the same way. I got to, look, I'm not against alcohol. I don't think you're going to hell if you drink alcohol. But if you have to drink to take the edge off, I think prayer isn't powerful enough. Can I, come on, can can I fight a little bit in Orange County? Can I get a little crazy in here? If you have to do something, man, I gotta, I gotta take this, I gotta take this, I gotta take this medicine, I gotta drink this much, I gotta do, smoke this thing, I gotta, it just kind of calms me down. If our God isn't strong enough to calm us down, if prayer isn't powerful enough to alter my attitude and my mood, if my worship of God can't change my perspective, I might be worshiping the wrong deity. I think maybe my God is too small. Because last time I checked, I'm pretty sure that God can change stuff. Man, I got quiet up in this Presbyterian church really quick. Don't talk about that, dude. They're going to leave your church. I am convinced there's so many people medicating what God wants. He wants worship. Do you know that you work? I love what Noah said. He goes, there's things that change inside of me that no one even told me to change. I'll tell you that Christianity and maybe one of the greatest analogies that God has ever given me is so much like being pregnant. 
Because when a new life comes on the inside of a woman, what they used to crave changes. Babe, I got you your favorite meal. They're like, I did that away from me. I'm going to throw up on you. You love this. Not anymore. Go get me an onion and some pickles. Why? Because I'm craving it. Get it before this chain breaks. Oh, gosh. Just throw the food in the bedroom, you know. Slam the door. <laughs> Why did her appetites change so much? Can I suggest to you it wasn't her, it was the life living inside of her. One of my friends, Christian, and his wife, they just moved to Ohio. It was so crazy. She goes, man, I grew up, she was new age, like deep in the new age movement. She's like, I was open to everything and anything. She goes, but I became a believer. I got baptized right over here in the parking lot. And she told us at dinner, did she bathe that night? She goes, it's so weird. Everything that I used to be open to, I'm closed-minded to now. I'm like, that's wrong. Why am I saying that's wrong? That's mean, but it's wrong. Who told you that was wrong? Your pastor didn't tell you that. No one had to tell me that pornography was bad after I became a believer. I remember coming home from a camp. I had all these magazines, all this bad stuff when I was in high school. And I came home from this camp, and I'm like, this stuff's bad. I feel dirty. I feel like I'm actually, I'm evicting the Holy Spirit's presence every time I open this door. I'm like, this isn't good. So I just know, I'm like, no one told me. No pastor's like, get rid of that stuff. You're going to hell. No one told me that. I just came home like, this stuff's wrong. So I grabbed all of it. I went downstairs. True story. My grandpa Paps, who was like military vet and one of the like gnarliest guys in the world, most godless guys in the world, watches me take all these dirty magazines and videotapes, throw them in the fireplace and start a fire. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Paps, this is not who I am anymore. And I'll tell you right now that one of the coolest things that you know when God's doing something inside of you is your appetites start to shift. That's legalistic. I'm telling you right now, I think our generation is more scared to be legalistic than we are to be, to be carnal. We have so many carnal Christians today that have lost their stick. Sorry, right, I'll keep going. Smile and wave. I believe that God is looking for people that have a prayerful mouth. Daniel chapter 2, it says this, that when the times got crazy, they actually came into God's presence and they petitioned God's mercy. I believe that when you actually invite God's mercy into all the areas of your life that doesn't deserve it, you'll start seeing God do things that are way beyond you. I, I challenge you, you know, Rochelle and I, our mantra this week has been God. We want to build a marriage. We want to build a family. We want to build a church. We want to ultimately build a life that you never want to leave. I mentioned earlier that the manifest presence of God is when you know that he's there, his power is present. You feel the tingles. You feel his direction, his power, his courage. I want you to know that when you, when you participate in sin, when you disobey God's voice, why is sin so nasty? Because when you actually give into that urge, there's two types of sin. The sin of commission, when God says, don't go there, but you go anyways, that's commission. But there's also way more sin that we commit in our lives called the sin of omission. Omission is when God says, say that to that guy, and you're like, I'm not saying that. It's when you know to do the right thing, but you refuse to do it. And I think in our lifetime, we actually do more things wrong that we were supposed to do that we didn't than bad things that we did that we weren't supposed to do. We'll have Tylenol at the pen afterwards to wrap your mind around that phrase. I believe that as the piano can come up, I'm almost finished today, is that God is saying, if you'll have a prayerful mouth, invite my mercy into your marriage. Invite my mercy into your, man, you, you felt as a dad, got mad at your kids, blew it in the office, yelled at a coworker, 
talk back to your boss, was mean, mean-spirited to your parents. I'm telling you that when you invite the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, would you please give me mercy? God used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel because these guys, they not only had a purposed heart, they had a, they had a prayerful mouth. God, would you please give us this dream? God, would you give us the interpretation of this dream? God, would you give us mercy? I believe that God's not just looking for those that have a prayerful mouth. I believe that God's looking for people that have a perceptive eye. Perceptive eye. I love this picture. I won't belabor it. Are you still with me today? Who can be five more minutes? Just five more minutes. Raise your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. That's all I need. Thanks. That's all I need. I, uh, I'm convinced that uh, if you gauge the happenings of life only by this life, it's so easy to live stressed out. It's so easy to live bitter, unforgiving. If the end of existence is at the end of this life, I totally get why people are scared to death of this, this virus. I totally get why people are scared to death of of the the economic landscape right now, the political landscape right now. I get why people are so freaked out. If there is no God and there's no eternity, yeah, be freaked out. But if we can somehow frame the events of this temporary life in the backdrop of eternity, it has a way of dealing with things like miscarriages and, and tragedy in families and hardships in marriages and accidents and just freak things that happen in life. You're like, God, where the heck are you? Where were you? Why did that happen? I'm telling you right now that if we gauge the goodness of God only by this side of eternity, you will always have an incomplete picture of God. I always tell people it's like gauging the validity of a movie in the first 20 minutes. Let's say first two minutes of the pursuit of happiness. Who saw that movie? Oh my gosh. I was on antidepressants the first hour and a half. And the last five minutes picked me up. But I'm like, man, if you were to gauge the goodness of that movie by the first five minutes, you'd be like, this movie's depressing. But why? We have to wait to see the end to determine if something is good or bad. And the problem with humanity is we gauge if God is good or bad based upon a temporary view of who God is. That doesn't make sense why that happened. I'll tell you, there's a lot of things that don't make sense. How about babies inside of their mother's wombs? makes zero sense why would God give a baby a mouth inside of their mother's womb if they don't eat with it they don't talk with it they don't breathe with it why would a baby have a mouth inside a mom's womb it makes no sense how about why did God give eyes inside our yeah a baby eyes inside of their mother's womb. They don't use those eyes. They're not looking around. They can't see anything in that fluid. Why did God give that baby eyes in the womb? I would suggest to you that all those things, and there's more, that babies have in the womb, they're actually not for the life that they're in. God actually gave them certain feelings, senses, things, faculties, that yeah, they were developed in the temporary world but God actually gave them to you for the the world that was coming. And I believe there's tragedies in this life. Why did that happen? Why did I get divorced? And why did this person abuse me? And why, why, why? I think there's some whys we'll never get answers to. But I do believe that when we see the totality of God's goodness in eternity, we'll go, okay, that makes sense. There's some things that maybe we get closure on the other side of eternity. Are you with me today? 
Remember Jesse's wisdom? Mark, if you start getting a sick stomach, what do you do? Find something that doesn't move. You start getting depressed right now because your wife left you? Come on, find something that doesn't move. Lost your job? That's all right. God's going to bring you back. Find something that doesn't move. Man, things are falling apart around me right now. The waves are beating. The boat's pumping up and down. Find something that doesn't move. Shadrach, Meshach, Benigo, why are you not scared to bow? Because they said, look, we are okay dying today because we're not home yet. And I would rather compromise a short life to live a long life for eternity well than live a temporary life well and forfeit eternity. We're going to be a people, are you with me today, that have a, a perceptive eye that views life in the light of eternity. And I believe when you do that, you'll have a presence-prioritized life. Presence-prioritized life. You can just say it with me. Say it with me. Prioritize His presence. You see, the truth is, I believe if you'll purpose in your heart to say, God, I want your kingdom in my heart. I don't care what California makes legal. I don't care how crazy my quote-unquote Christian friends are. I told one of my, 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 my buddies in this church, was here in the early days of this church, and came out of a pretty dark background, and God was still bringing him out of some of the Egyptian mindsets, and he was kind of, he was a good guy, but just had some struggles from his past with flirting with girls and kind of like wanting to make out with girls and stuff. And I just told him, I said, bro, if you want to go to a church that everyone's sleeping around and everyone's getting drunk together after church services and everyone's telling dirty jokes and everyone has nasty language, I said, there's about 10,000 churches in California to choose from. This is not going to be your church. Because here's what my conviction is. The Holy Spirit will make you holy. I'm not better than you because of my convictions, but I do think I'm better off. I don't want to invite any more devils into my life than the one that already is trying to target me. I don't need any devils of, of drug abuse. I don't need any sexual stuff. I want to, come on, are you following me today? I don't want to invite any more devils into my life. I said, bro, our church is going to be a church that sick people get well in. This church is going to be a church that your sins go to to die. This is going to be a place that your dark generational trash is going to be cut off of your life and you're going to become mighty men and mighty women of God. That's old school. Man, I'd rather be old school with some of the anointing than new school with just clever, clever programming and slick advertising. Why do people keep coming back to this church? It's not because of how good I talk or how great our band is. It's because God is here. Where are you at, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They would tell you this. We will prioritize His presence. I dare you to purpose God in your heart. I dare you to have a prayerful mouth. And I'll tell you, when you do, what will happen is actually you'll see God's presence showing up. Man, I was in the middle of that, that, that bankruptcy, but his presence was in the fire with me. I, she said she was going to leave me, man, but I could feel his presence in the fire with me. My kids ran away, was doing all this crazy stuff, but God's presence was with me in the fire and actually burned away the things that were binding my family. God, your presence, your presence. And I'll tell you right now, when his presence is in your life, buckle up, because I do believe that protection and promotion will follow you. Is this like a name and it's like a faith church? This isn't one of those dumb faith churches, is it? No, we only preached out here. We don't preach faith, we preached out. Listen, what alternative do pastors have? Hey, come on in guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get our butts kicked this week. Come on in, crying section over here, weeping section right here. Those that are actually in torment right here. We're gonna keep losing. All we do is lose, lose, lose no matter what. I want you to listen, Jesus is victorious. We go through valleys, but we don't live in them. 
I'll say it again. We go through valleys as Christians, but we do not live in valleys. I do believe that God is better than you are. I believe that you want to take care of your kids. I think that God wants to take care of us. We're his kids. You saying that God wants to actually give you favor at your job? Yes. You saying that God actually wants to help you get out of debt? Yes. You think God wants you to be generous? Yes. You think God wants you to be forgiving to mean people? Yes. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's hard to do when you're hating everybody. Mean to everybody. Let me just be very clear. I'm not talking about Rolls Royces and you have a private jet if you give $20 in the offering today. That's weird. But I am saying that if you'll put God first, you watch how favor finds your life. Esther found favor. David found favor. Daniel found favor. Shadrach, my shack, your shack, bungalow. Come on, they found favor when they put God first. Can I ask you, Orange County, will we be a church that would purpose in our hearts? I don't care if it's not trendy, man. Call me old-fashioned. That's cool. I don't mind. That guy's got like, he's kind of like, he kind of preaches with like, kind of like some standards and values. People are going to leave that guy's church. That's all right. I'd rather have less people that are on all the way with God than to have a big watered down conglomerate of people that are perfectly content sneaking into the back door of heaven. I'm not sneaking into heaven, friend. I want to soar when I die. I feel like so many Christians are like, they're so living for today, they're not eternally minded. I say this all the time, but C.S. Lewis said it this way, that if you aim for earth, if you aim in this life for eternity, you will get earth thrown in. But if you only live for earth, you will miss both lives. And many people are missing out not only on the next life, but this life because they're living for the now. I'm purposing in my heart, man. God, I give you permission. You know what repentance is? Let me give you another word that's not popular today. Come on, while we're offending everybody. You know what repentance is? It's taking God's side against yourself. God, that was angry and ugly today. Would you forgive me? I was stupid. You're right. That's, that's repentance. Repentance is going, God, I was stingy today. You know, I had, I had $200 in the offer. I, I, I could have gave some money. I didn't give anything. God, I was stingy. Forgive me for being stingy today. I'm taking your side against me. I was perverted today. I was, man, I entertained thoughts that were not honoring me. Would you forgive me for grieving you, Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you right now, where there are people that say, God, I want you in my life. Remove what displeases you. Those are the people God uses to change the world. That's what God's going to do in Ocean's Church. Amen. You believe it. Come on, give God a hand clap. Stand to your feet. How many feel like today? I want to just invite God to speak to me right here. Would you lift your hands today? Say, Mark, God, would you speak to me? How about say it with your own mouth? Say, God, would you speak to me today? What are you saying to me today? Come on, give it a little stretch. Come on, let your hands real quick. Come on, God, what are you saying to me today? I know we're almost finished. We're in the fourth quarter right now. We're almost done. This is the most important part of our whole service today. Don't leave unless you have to catch a plane or go to a funeral. Stick with me. Almost done. Would you close your eyes? How many feel like the Lord is speaking to you today? There's some things that he wants you to raise in your life. I'm convinced, man, that we should be a community that call each other higher, not empower each other to live lower. So disappointed that so many leaders in the church that are my age that are empowering people to live lower and not calling people to live higher. It's easy to fit in with the world. I don't want to be like Lot that blends into Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to be like Abraham, man. God, if you're here today, come on. You're listening to me today. Hands up in the air. Just say, God, we're all over the world. Say, how many feel like you say, 
I feel like the Lord's asked me to purpose some things in my heart today. I'm gonna to wanna to make some decisions in this moment, some premeditated things. I am gonna to come to a new love. God, I want new standards, new convictions. Would you just wave, give me a wave offering today? Give God a wave offering. You're just like, hey, I, I feel like God is calling me to go to higher levels, higher levels. Re, reestablish some convictions. You know what? I have been drinking too much. You know what? I have been taking too many pills. You know, I have been met, just numbing myself every day, binge watching Netflix my whole life away, spending eight hours a day on Instagram. God, would you please come? I want a purpose in my heart to put Jesus on the throne of my life. How many feel like today, I don't want just purpose in my heart. I actually want to, uh, uh, even now in this moment, I want to invite God's mercy into every area of my life. Would you lift your hands all over the room? I want to invite his mercy into my marriage, mercy into my family. Awesome. How many would say, uh, even a day, I want to live with an eternal, eternal perspective. Stop calling God bad by the first two minutes of your life movie. God, you're a good God. You're going to bring a good ending to this. Anybody in here feel like I'm going to prioritize the presence of Jesus? I want to prioritize your presence. Come into my fire today. Come into the stress. Come on, come into the pain. Come into the unforgiveness. God, I invite you into my, my anger. I invite you into like my pain, my bad habits. I invite you into my addictions. Come on, I invite, come on, who wants to invite his presence? Give him a wave today if you want to invite him in your presence. And lastly today, you say, God, would you please, would you help me to do these things? Would you promote me? And would you protect me to stand for you like these three Jewish boys did? Come on, who wants to stand for God? Who wants to be sea ready? Pray this prayer all over the tent today. Say, Jesus, I invite you. Fill my heart with your convictions. Fill my eyes with your perspective. And fill my mouth with adoration with worship, thanksgiving, and prayers to invite your presence into my life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.